This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Time once again for another edition of T. Watson TR on the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, joined by site publisher and recruiting editor Tim Watts. And it's been a little bit, Tim, since we last checked in here on the podcast. A lot of stuff to get into with you specifically. Pete Golding off to Ole Miss. Alabama men's basketball with another win earlier in the week at Vanderbilt. Plenty, plenty to talk about as we get back together here. Yeah, I guess the golden shoe dropped, I guess you could say. We had it <laughs> predicted for, I don't know, four years in a row. Right. Um, four years in a row. So him going to Ole Miss, I know a lot of, a lot of the fans were happy. I think he did, you know, as good a job as he could have did. I don't, I think the effort was there. I think he recruited hard and all that stuff. And, you know, you can get into the semantics of development and all that stuff. I just don't think, you know, last couple of years have been a very good year for Alabama compared to what you're used to seeing. So um, probably a good break for both of them. You know, a good time to kind of, you know, call it a, call it a the first trip through the Alabama cycle for Pete, because, you know, there's like, you know, I've said this before where you laugh, but it's, you know, everybody laughs, but it's a, you know, there's like a three-year shelf window for most coaches working for Nick Saban. It's a lot of work. I mean, it's a lot of work. If you go and look at some, you know, some of those guys are crazy, you know, like a Lance Thompson or a Bo Davis, they'll come back for more, you know, but a lot of the, you know, it's a lot of times you need a break, you know, just because of that pace is so excruciating. So I don't think it's a bad thing for Pete. I don't think. Yeah. And, and also he's the only defensive coordinator that Nick Saban's had, who had to work through a pandemic, by the way, among other things, right? So the challenge is, I think you could say, uh, even in addition to the the pace and the everything that comes with that position under Nick Saban at Alabama, uh, you throw the other factors in there. Uh, for Pete, it was entirely different than it was for maybe some guys before him. Yeah, I mean, it was you know the whole thing. I mean, it's. Look, let's be honest. I mean, you know, you 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 know, if you're dating a girl, the last two boyfriends were Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> you got you got your work cut out for you. So and kind of Pete Davison at that point. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. I mean, you're following you're following Kirby <laughs> Smart, who's you know was a you know was a great play caller at Alabama, and you know obviously doing a great job with the Georgia program, and then you know Jeremy Pruitt, who's a you know a legend. You know, I think all coaches respect the coaching game of a Jeremy Pruitt. So, um, yeah, that's big shoes to fill. And Pete's young. I mean, still, I don't even know if he's 40 yet. Still a young guy and, um, you know, comes from Texas, he has at Texas, uh, San Antonio and, yep. you know, ends up in Alabama. And, you know, that's a, that was quite the stage, 38, 38 years old now. So showed up at like 34, you know, and, and it almost feels like Nick is semi replaced, a Pete Golding with another Pete Golding, another young assistant like a Kirby was at the time. And a Jeremy Pruitt was at the time with Ar- Austin Armstrong coming in from Southern Miss. Let me tell you something about Austin Armstrong. 
Austin Armstrong might be the most popular coaching hire ever from people <laughs> who actually know. This is serious. People who actually know Austin. I had messages, yeah. and they were the best. They were the mm-hmm. best. They were true. You know, we get a lot of inside scoop that's not really scoop. We get a lot of sources. You know, we get a lot of REO Speedwagon. Heard it from a friend who heard it from another friend. But these people were like, hey, I called my aunt who's Austin's cousin, and they, he's taking the job on Saturday. I had several <laughs> reaching out. Austin is super popular in this state. Everybody loves him. I've heard from so many people about him. Um, very excited as far as people around. I mean, very popular guy, obviously. Absolutely. And I got some of those same uh, DMs, I think. Very, very much a guy with with deep ties, obviously, to the state of Alabama, but uh, for good reason. And you look at the performance that he had there at Southern Miss, he has the ties to the Saban tree, having worked for Kirby at Georgia, having worked for Billy Napier at UL Lafayette. Uh, ascending, uh, I think the proper adjective to use when talking about young Austin Armstrong. And with that, Tim, if you want to just, uh, you know, go ahead and, and tell us right now who the, uh, the defensive coordinator is going to be in 2023. Just, you know, you can go ahead and get that out of the way early here. It's funny. I mean, it is, I mean, Nick Saban has always, this isn't anything new. He's always moved at his own pace and there's nothing like you know, Austin wasn't announced. He hasn't been announced. He showed up in Tuscaloosa and Armstrong the next Monday he was out seeing kids. He changed his Instagram. Saban's not big on like <laughs> he's not big on the group text. You know what I mean? He's gonna do his thing and do what he wants to. He's gonna move at his face pace. He is. He's he's working the phones and he's focusing on recruiting. And anybody doubts that. I mean Nick Saban loves recruiting. He loves Miss Terry loves recruiting. I know those two things to be a thousand percent true. He loves recruiting and this is his chance to get out and meet a bunch of guys. Juniors had a big junior day last week and, uh, you know, just to get out and be seen and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's going to finish this cycle and then, you know, you know, he's only got a short window for, um, Seeing these guys, he's got this week, he's got next week, he's got a couple of weekends. Also, Pete just left on Friday. Now, Pete, that, that's when the parting took place, so it's not like there's been a lot of time. But I do think that this week, the weekend he had a lot of juniors. I think he spent a lot of time on the phone. I think he spent a lot of time on the phone this week. I know he's vetting, asking opinions. Um, and the one thing I really like about Nick Saban is, like, he asks a lot of questions. But he doesn't really give you any feedback on your answer, from what I can tell from talking to people that talk to Nick Saban. In other words, Travis, what do you think about this restaurant? Then you go, mm-hmm, and then you walk away. You never really know what 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 he thinks. So um, I think that's why everything stays so quiet with him. But I think I think that he's going to have a guy. You know, I'm not going to put a time frame on it, but I think he's going to have a guy. Yeah, and from what I've been able to gather in the past from candidates who have been through the process in meeting with uh, Nick Saban is that he'll put you in the, the staff meeting room and, and see how you interact and sort of respond, especially for a positional coach. Uh, one of the candidates I know from the past, he interviewed all day in Tuscaloosa and spent the entire day with the then offensive coordinator, who, by the way, was Dan Enos for that very short period of time before moving on to Miami. But, uh, and so the, he likes to see the fit 
and, and the and the dynamics of of how you're going to maybe plug in with that group and uh, th- there's a good bit that goes into that uh, from his perspective. So we'll see how it moves forward. But uh, I think one thing we know, and you pretty much touched on this, he's not as worried, especially from a positional standpoint. Obviously, he's got position opens and openings in mind. And when you look at Austin Armstrong, his background with inside linebackers makes it easy to think he'll be the inside linebackers coach. That being said, we both know he likes to go out and get the best coaches he can get. And then he'll figure it out from a positional standpoint. A lot of times, won't he? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, the defensive back position is always pretty flexible at Alabama because Saban's so involved. So actually, if you're a young guy, and your specialties, not the secondary, not the corners, it would be pretty awesome to be the secondary coach and learning under Nick Saban, you know. And you've got another guy. You're always going to have somebody rolled over the top. So whether it be, a, you know, Kirby Smart, he knew, you know, he knew the secondary. Jeremy Pruitt knew the secondary. Uh, you know, T. Rob's been defensive coordinator. He knows the secondary. He's on staff. Any of those guys can help him in that secondary. So there is some versatility there. Um there is some versatility there, and uh, I know in the past Alabama's had that D.C. coach the inside linebackers, but there's been instances where they coached the secondary. You know, I've always, I was always told that Kirby was coaching the secondary until he talked to Saban and just said, hey, we're in every meeting together. I'd like to do something mm-hmm. secondary where I can have my own meeting, which made sense as a young head coach. I mean, I've heard that story multiple times, so that's where Kirby – ended up back at inside linebackers. I know Kirby's, you know, he's a safety, college safety and all that stuff. He's a secondary guy too. So, I mean, there's some versatility there. I mean, to, to look around the offensive coordinator position to me is, has been so quiet, but it's what we expected. Offensive coordinator. There's never been a big splashy offensive coordinator. It's always came quietly. Somebody will sneak in and Alabama's so good because they'll bring guys in for bowl practice. I mean, how many times has a coach been there that wasn't even interviewed for the job? So still, Bill O'Brien hasn't left. I mean, I still think that he will, but a lot of NFL seasons still being played. Um, I just think that offensive coordinator, for the most part, is easier to fill for Nick Saban than the defense because the defense is so personal to him. You know what I mean? So he's going to have to like, he's going to have to, it's going to have to feel right for him to hire that defensive guy. Offensively, he knows he's got the, He's got the guys. He's got guys on offense that can play every position. You look at this recruiting class. They had every position filled. They're going to have guys coming back. They're going to have guys that, you know, they're going to have a you know heated quarterback battle. Their offensive lines beginning, you know, starting to step up in the direction that we're used to seeing. So offensive to me is going to be a little bit easier to fill than defense. I think that's what he's trying to do is trying to find more of a, a saving type guy and Alabama guys. You mentioned the junior days events uh, this time of year. The transfer portal window closed on Wednesday. And I got to tell you, man, the timeline for some of these teams, it's been crazy watching the comings and goings. And we've seen Alabama have a lot of guys go out, uh, transfer out. We haven't seen nearly as many backfill via the portal. Whereas a, a team specifically, it seems like to me every day, I get an update on at least a potential addition via the portal is LSU. It, it just feels like Brian Kelly on an annual basis is just going to revamp that roster, you know, almost free agency style. Like we we've, we've heard so much about with the direction of college football again, Alabama, not nearly as much. Do you take that as a good sign in terms of where this staff, where Nick feels 
this roster is at with what's left after the transfers or the ongoing transfers? Or do you think it's more just a, a different approach to it in that you're going to see Alabama get into winter workout spring practice and then maybe address it, address some situations via the portal? What, how, do, how do you view that from the Alabama perspective? You know, for me, I mean, you've got guy. okay, you've got – the portal has been a massive disappointment to me. After all the hype, after all the buildup we heard. Now, you heard it too, Travis. It's coming, 10, 9, the countdowns. Tomorrow's the day, doom day. We really haven't seen nearly the impact guys we thought we were seeing in there, right? There's been a lot of people in there, but it just hasn't been this – I haven't seen a Jameer Gibbs in there. Have you – you know, I haven't seen no. kind of guys in there. Now you got different guys going in for different reasons. Georgia, and I was told multiple people uh, yesterday, allegedly Georgia's losing A.D. Mitchell. We had a great thread on the roundtable where they thought the Georgia athletic director named Mitchell was leaving. <laughs> they <thought laughs> the play- yeah, that was that was. Great. Oh, yeah, that was. The player good. from Georgia was named A.D. Mitchell. And right. you know, allegedly he's into the portal just strictly for NIL money. Obviously he had a big role at Georgia, um, our opportunity at Georgia. Georgia's coming off back-to-back championships, so he's in the portal. You know, you've had guys that go in there for the portal. Now, if they go in for a portal, if they go into the portal for the NIL, they probably already have a destination at hand. Someone's already told them they've got whatever it is mm-hmm. they're looking for. So there's that. You got guys that, you know, Alabama and some of the other schools, obviously Georgia wasn't one to match his NIL. So I'm not sure how many other schools will. The word is it's going to be Texas, but um, you also had guys that, you know, maybe weren't better than what you got on campus. And at some point I think you have to, you have to just trust what you've recruited and dig in and, and develop what you've got. Alabama certainly got enough talent on there. And we, you know, we said this last year, they're not going to take anybody that can't help them right away. They're not really taking a backup. They're not taking a, you know, a seventh offensive lineman or, or anything like that. I mean, maybe this year they, they could have taken a guy that wasn't necessarily a super strong offensive line because they lost so many, but at the same time, they've got young guys they like. And, um, you know, you look at other schools, like you said, Brian Kelly. I don't fault Brian Kelly. I don't think that'll be the year in, year out for Brian Kelly. But the beauty of this is if you got to flip your roster, buddy, you can flip it. I mean, Colorado can flip their roster. It makes taking on a rebuild uh, a lot easier for a college coach because you can basically, you can rotate, you know, 85, you know, 85 out and 85 in within a two or three year window. I'll go ahead and say this. If Alabama didn't find or see a quarterback in the portal prior to the closing of the most recent window, I got to think the quarterback for 2023 is almost certainly coming from Jalen Milrow or Ty Simpson. I don't see, I don't envision a path for the 2023 season now that we're getting into the spring semester and you're going to have who you have uh, on your roster in March and April. uh, barring something just totally unforeseen uh, with a, an elite, elite quarterback out there. Uh, I feel safer than ever, Tim, than saying that it's going to come from one of those two guys. Yeah. I mean, you still got the, uh, was it the May open window for the portal mm-hmm. and opens again? Um, I've never understood like, just because you don't know something, I'm talking about the fan base, every fan base, just because you don't know doesn't mean the answer's not there. We, we saw this with Mac Jones. We've seen this with other guys. Who's going to fill in? I mean, Alabama was very high 
on Ty Simpson just to begin with. I mean, he was a top priority. He was a top mm-hmm. recruit. So he was a guy they were very high on to, to begin with. I mean, it wasn't like they took, you know, just an, you know, an average Joe to fill a spot. That guy was pretty highly recruited, top 50 recruit. So he's in the mix. And obviously you got Jalen Milrow. And I understand, I, I, I get the debate. I get the debate with Jalen. I mean, I'm as torn as anybody. I'd love for him to be, you know, he's a big, he's a fantastic athlete. He's got a tight arm. You know, a lot of those passes, you know, you know, seem a little bit pushed more than thrown. I get all of that. But there are those guys, when you look at those two, you don't instantly think, I mean, the little bit of we've seen of Todd just in practice in air, um, in air or on practice or bowl practice or whatever video that we've seen, he looks like a natural passer. I don't know why you would write either of those guys off. At this stage, I mean, obviously, we got to see Tyler. You know, we, you know, we don't know if he can do it till we see him do it. Obviously, but the coaches do see him. This is one thing I tell every fan base: the coaches see him every day. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, it's, they're not confused what Jalen Milrow is. They're not confused what Ty Simpson is, and they're not confused. You know, both quarterbacks they signed, uh, Eli Holstein and um, Dylan, are both going to be early enrollees. So these guys are actually going to be there for spring. So. Um, it was not unprecedented. It's probably harder, but it's not unprecedented for a true freshman to win that job either. I mean, it's pretty open. One of the most open we've seen, in my opinion, because there's not really a Bryce Young or a hidden gem like Mac Jones necessarily, where we thought that was wide open. That was a that ended up being a heck of a race between two future first round picks. There's a lot more uncertainty around this, but I'm kind of excited for it. I think the Alabama staff knows what they're doing with the quarterback position. And if you look at what they've signed and what they've developed and what they've had, I'm going to put my faith that they know how to follow up with those. Is that four first four, four starting quarterbacks in the NFL in the row, row now with Bryce? Yes. Matt, Jay, yeah, this is four in a row. How do you not trust them at this point to know what they're doing? So. I, I think, I think there's trust in Nick Saban and the coaching staff. It's just, as you said earlier, what we haven't seen, what we don't know about these next guys. And then I think what is going to happen at some point in the 2023 season, we're going to say, Oh, that's, that's the guy. Right. And so, um, you know, I'll say this. I think if Bill O'Brien is moving on, I think his presence the last couple of years can prove especially beneficial to Milrow and Simpson from a passing perspective. But when I think about the skill sets for both those guys, the next guy, again, assuming Bill O'Brien moves on, I, I get I get more of a sense that it needs to be uh, a guy with a background that's more committed to maybe RPO, true RPO, right? Not just play action RPO and you know you're throwing it, but the actual commitment to run pass option offense, not that, again, it's going to change entirely. But we've seen that in the past. I mean, depending on the quarterback that Alabama has had to work with, we've we've definitely seen more of a true approach to that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, Bill, which the irony is, as a, you know, as an NFL fan, a Mac fan, I'm hoping Bill O'Brien, if he leaves, does go to the Patriots because I Mm -hmm. think he would be right up the rim of what Mac Jones probably needs if they can get a couple of wide receivers, certainly better than what he got this year. Um, I think we could, he, we could, we could see that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, a younger, fresher mind. I mean, that's the thing with Alabama's offense is they, they did a terrific job of building around the player they are. I mean, Bryce, you know, you know, Bryce wasn't the quickest decision maker, uh, on when he, when he turned the ball loose, he would take his time back there. I mean, he was, 
You know, if they're playing five Mississippi rush, he'd have been sacked three times in a row on most drive because he had the patience. Man, he had some patience back in that pocket trying to, you know, wait for his guy to get open, the guy he wanted to throw it to. So, yeah, I think the younger guys, you'll see them. I think they won't have – I think they'll be more instinctual from their training. Bryce was kind of like freestyle. Bryce was as close – to me, Bryce was as close to a playground quarterback as you can get. And I don't mean that any kind of insulting way. I mean, off-platform, he thrived running, missing, you know – ducking under a safety, running to his right, throwing to his left. He thrived on that. And most people, that's 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 what makes Bryce special to me. Most people can't do that. So I think you're going to see a little bit more. And, hey, both of those guys can run. I mean, we don't talk about Ty. You know, it's hard to talk about Ty Simpson being a runner when his the guy he's competing with is Jay the Milrow, who's basically, you know, he's a freak runner. But Ty's a hell of an athlete. He's a good athlete. He can pull it down. He can tuck it and run. You're not going to take anything away from him there. Yeah, I think if Bryce had a fault in the 2022 season at times, it was that he didn't trust his guys enough, his receivers probably. But I say that, and you know, at the same time, there's probably a reason for that. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, there, there were times where they, they definitely gave him cause for, for maybe not enough trust. Absolutely. Hey, you know, what are you thinking about this Jaden Rashada situation? We were talking about NIL. We're talking about quarterbacks. Uh, If you haven't seen it, I I know it's been on our message board there at the roundtable. This uh, is this is this unrecoverable from for Billy Napier at Florida? This situation with the quarterback, uh, Jaden Rashada, who apparently was promised a certain amount and NIL money, and then that didn't come to fruition, and now he's asked apparently for a release from his uh, letter of intent. I, I don't know, Tim. I don't know how you overcome that if you're, yeah, if you're Billy I mean, Napier. I mean, I think it's always going to be used against you, and you're basically going to have to be like the dude with bad credit paying you know, the six-month lease up front to get the apartment. That's what I think Florida's going to be in for a while. Now, at the end of the day, you pay them, they put the money in their pocket, and they're going about their business. It's like being denied a bank loan. I mean, it's like being denied buying something at one place on credit and giving another one money up front and getting it at another place. So they're probably going to have to come off some upfront money. But the 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 re, the repercussions, I mean, the trolling, the negative stuff they, that went on. I mean, this is and you know I toxic. I mean, I've got people telling me, and I mean, I mean, again, this has nothing to do with Billy Napier as far as I know, because he's not running the NIL. He's not donating to the NIL uh, as far as I know. And that's exactly what happened. But you're right, man. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, the, the playoffs delivered. I mean, we were talking, you know, a little bit of this. In Florida? Yeah, oof. Uh, and congrats to Buzz and A&M for the perfect start in SEC play. But you talk about some really difficult basketball in the eyes, Tim. Oof. Yeah, it was hard. I mean, did you see the end of the Missouri-Arkansas game? I, I, I withstood the 56 fouls that were called yeah, in that I game. I think this, and, I, and, I, and I'll tell you, I felt the same way about the Vanderbilt-Alabama game. Um, those officials, man, they can just they just take over a game and run they it. They do. I mean, that well, Vanderbilt game was going fine, and then I look up and it's a free-throw shooting derby, you know? Yeah, I mean, you got Vanderbilt, I think, shot. Then, you know, all the Vanderbilt players came off the court. Well, five right, but 12 lost on to unranked teams. Mm-hmm. I'm not counting if a ranked team versus a ranked team, unranked team. So that's how wild it is. And that's why when you look at Bama, what they've done, 
you better enjoy that 12-point win at Vanderbilt. It's harder than it looks. Alabama's making it look easy, but it's definitely harder than it looks to keep doing what they're doing right now. And, I mean, Randolph, what is that, seven seven straight, Brandon Miller, you know, no guys don't want it to be so quick. But they did expect him to get here. And he, you know, he might not. There's still some season left. But, man, there's a lot to like about that joker. You know what I mean? From his defense to his length to his – his, you know, he's young to the frame that's going to fill out. There's a lot to like about if, if the Pelicans took him, who was a New Orleans Pelicans fan, in that in that that late lottery, I wouldn't be mad at him. I'd yeah. with it. So right now, when you look at the SEC, is it pretty much Alabama, Tennessee, and everyone else? And I know Kentucky is showing signs of life here in the last couple of games. Went into Knoxville, knocked off the balls on their home court. Uh, so that's been positive for for Cal and his team. Um, and, and all due respect, again, to Buzz and A&M for their tremendous start to SEC play. When you look at the SEC right now, though, Tim, is it is it pretty much Alabama and Tennessee and then a pretty big gulf between the rest of the league? Or do you really think maybe Kentucky's about to to fulfill its potential with this team? That was struggling with uh, Georgia last night. They did. You second know, half. Big that, second half. Yeah, I mean, they, they pulled him up later. Georgia's not a particularly good team. Tennessee game, to me, was more about Tennessee didn't play very well. Now, Georgia was good. But, I mean, Kentucky was good. But Tennessee was did not did not play well in that game. To me, I think it's Alabama and Tennessee until proven otherwise, based on what I've seen to this stage. But there are teams – um, Auburn, you know, only has one loss. Buzz Peterson has no loss. The schedule's played a little bit apart. But until proven otherwise, I think it's Alabama and Tennessee. And it would be really interesting to see. I mean, it won't happen. I, I think the odds of it happening are very slim. But if Alabama and Tennessee could win out to get to that game in Knoxville, <laughs> that would be a that'd be a game of the decade for basketball. No, it'd be a lot of fun. It's going to be fun regardless, yeah. Hard to win. I mean, even seven in a row. It's hard to win, you know, and I talked to my buddies and, you know, you think more football where you think you have to win every game. You don't have to win every game. You shouldn't win every game. You should sprinkle in some losses because they're learning lessons. And I feel like Alabama learned something from UConn and they notes backed me up. They did. I feel Alabama learned something from Gonzaga. And I don't even think they played bad against Gonzaga. I felt Gonzaga played really well um, and they learned something from that. So that's what I look when I see these teams. This team, and that's what I've said all along. I've, I've I've yet to feel like this team, even the battle with North Carolina. I don't care how good they are, because you know it's thirteen scholarships or fifteen versus fifteen. Anytime you play, so battling a team like that showed a lot of heart. This team, to me, again, and I've said this several times on the message board. They were down forty. They were up forty points in the second half with six, seven, eight minutes to go. And I look up, and they're on the floor for a loose ball. Yep. So you can't, there's no complacency. There's no, you know, we are, you know, we, you know, there's none of that, that cockiness, you know, on this. There is a cockiness, a confidence that I love, but there's not a, we're taking it for granted. We're going to walk over because that's sure the best way to get your butt kicked. It is. And, um, you know, they obviously here of late have uh, been put in a position of navigating and unfortunately thinkable situation from over the weekend in Tuscaloosa, but uh, really a positive sign to see them uh, go to Vanderbilt. And and while it was a spotty performance in some ways, I think very understandable given the circumstances 
Uh, and now they make the the trip to Missouri, a place where they lost a season ago when Kobe Brown, the Huntsville native, dropped 30 and 13 on them in Como last season. They beat Arkansas last night. We're out. We're out rebounded. <laughs> they were dominated on the glass last night to uh, and still beat Arkansas. So Alabama should do a good job on the boards, play good defense. Again, that's a that's a different place to play. Um, you know, it's it's, a, it's it's it is hard. You know, it's very yellow and. <laughs> You know, you got a lot going on there, and it's a good. The thing is, a pretty good basketball team. I mean, they they are another one that could have wilted down the stretch last night. I mean, against Arkansas, a few times they were up eight. You know, go back to the Bama Vanderbilt game. One of the first signs of mental weakness to me, and it was a small one, was when they were Bama was up twenty three, and then Vanderbilt. I mean, it didn't take like three possessions. They could yeah. team like boom. Nate called a timeout. And I'll tell you what, for anybody really watching the game, there was a lot of great inbound plays in that game they had plays to get you know miller open drive to the basket they got a layup for betty yaku they got an open three there were some great uh out of bounds plays in that to get buckets when they needed them um you know coming off of their end of in their end with a uh with a dead ball so we're seeing this team grow i think the coaching staff's growing and again like you said you know there's a lot of stuff you know they had to deal with sort through last week and um Went in by 10 at Vanderbilt. I think they trailed maybe 23-22 or something. That was it. Uh, very, very good win. That's always been – I don't know about you, but growing up a Bama basketball fan, that play – I've Tough spot. Never liked it. Never liked it. I've been in there. The You know, you're lost. Can't find the bathroom because you, your, your gauge is where the bench is. You're lost in that place. It's a – that Your bench, basketball compass gets it, messed yeah, up. It is a, it is a difference. Of whoever – Designed it was a genius as far as creating havoc uh, for other teams mentally. So to me, it's a great win. Good team doing all the right things, you know, coming along, you know, seeing Quinterly slowly play his way, way into the shape we had hoped he had, you know, he had been in. I still think uh, Welch is going to get there as well. I think it just takes time. I mean, when you don't play for a while, I think it takes time to get those sea legs under you, those basketball legs under you. So. I'm going to see a Missouri team on Saturday that leads the nation in steals at 11.6 per game. So it'll go back to ball security for an Alabama team that's been better in that regard of late. Did turn it over a little bit at Vandy. Um, you'll you'll want to keep an eye on on turnovers and see if that number gets elevated against a Missouri team that uh, really is active with the hands and can pressure and. Uh, we'll see exactly how that that plays out for Missouri on the defensive end of the four. Hey Tim, um, what about? I meant to ask you earlier. What about the Watts Christmas trees? Are they finally down? When did they? Or if they did, when did yeah. they come down? No, uh, we got the Mardi Gras tree still up. That, okay, that stays till Mardi Gras. Uh huh. Yeah, she's got the kids' tree. She's got the Candyland tree. She's got the Alabama tree. She's got the Bear Bryant hat on the top. Kids have trees upstairs. Then she's got the Mardi Gras tree. All those. Jeez. After Christmas, before New Year's, uh-huh. um, the uh, Mardi Gras stays up until the Mardi Gras passes. I'll tell you, man, for our house, the wife got our tree out faster than the Grinch. It was almost like it went up the chimney, just like with the Grinch. It was the day after Christmas, the 26th, and um, so I guess our waste people, uh, waste uh service still ran you know so we had the stuff out by the road 
by 9.30 on the morning of the 26th, our tree wasn't just down and out of the house. It was in the waste truck. It was gone. It was like there was no signs of Christmas in our house by 9.30 on the 26th. Tim, she wasn't playing this year. She got rid of that thing. Yeah, I think you got to just pull the Band-Aid off. Ours was a series of steps. <laughs> now, we went to New Orleans towards the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. So we were over there. So we had, like, you know, the, the, the bulbs, you know, the ornaments were down, but the trees were there. Uh-huh. Like depressing as crap, you know. Let's get the – so little by little, you know, they, you know, and uh, the wife and daughter did some traveling for a, her best friend's birthday party. So finally I told the boys, I said, get those trees down. Yeah, I'm gonna burn them. I'm gonna melt them. You got you got Jacksonville Jaguar fans that aren't taking their trees down until the Jags lose a game because they put them up about the same time that the Jags started this win streak, and now you know they're not taking the trees down as long as the Jags are on this heater. I mean, they may be coming down as early as this Saturday night, though. I'm just as superstitious as it comes, so I'm, absolutely I believe in that. You believe in it. I believe, believe in it. Jaguars doing it. I mean, why risk it? You know what I mean? I mean, my wife's worse than I am, and I'm pretty bad about it. I mean, you play a lot of baseball growing up. Baseball's the most superstitious sport. I mean, I remember having to stand outside of a dugout once because I went to use the bathroom, and we were hitting the ball well, and they're like, stay out till the end's over. So I remember doing that to other people, you know, wearing the same socks. Wearing, you see major leaguers wearing hats. It looked like it was poured in salt rock. I mean, they got that whole sweaty salt stain across the bill, back, you know, stuff covered in tar. So, hey, if it works, if it helps you mentally, go for it. Yeah, whatever works, exactly. You know what works for us, Tim, is the mailbag there on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. Always good stuff, always fun stuff that we're able to extract from that mailbag. So uh, let's jump into it right now. What do you say? Let's do this. Let's do it. Uh, we got Jamie Starr up first, and uh, the question, any announcements on the dates for Nick's kids' camp this summer? I guess Jamie's talking about football camps for Alabama. Um, um, no, I have not got an answer, Jamie, but I will try to get one and post that on the message board for you. Um and uh, I'm not sure if the dates are set. I've never got a return to answer on that, but it's been a busy week, a lot going on. But I will definitely look into that, Jamie. And if you're listening, send me a, send me a personal message if you don't get it for here in the next three weeks or so. But I'll be glad to find that out. Right. Any guys he's got that needs to go up there. Yeah, there's NickSabinFootballCamp.com that you might want to check uh, when you get a chance to. And, and in checking that, it, I do see where – I guess maybe the the high school and college transfer camps are are up. Um, I'm assuming this is for 2023 and this isn't for a year ago because there are live register clicks there, buttons there, links there that you can hit for those camps, grades 9 through 12, in college transfers only. But I'm not seeing kids as in the younger uh, football players. So, well, like Tim said, we'll try to keep you up to date on that. And, and again, you might want to check Nick Saban football camp.com periodically. Sounds good. So let's keep it moving here in the mailbag. Um, pawn shop guy ask, who is your best guess for defensive coordinator? And he feels like that just needs to end the thread right there. 
then and we talked about this earlier. It's uh, a process that's ongoing. I guess I'll put it to you this way: from where you sit and understanding Nick Saban, when you try to connect dots, can can often throw you off the scent, off the trail pretty quickly. Um, just in terms of who would make the most sense of the names that are out there for that spot in 2023, where, where does your attention go to first? Yeah, I mean, it's you're right. It's hard with the uh, – I mean, obviously Jeremy Pruitt, right? Yeah. There's I mean, the, just in terms of a name, absolutely. I mean, Jeremy is everything you want in a coordinator at Alabama. I mean, there's the two guys that were perfect fits – for coordinators at Alabama were Jeremy Pruitt and Kirby Smart. Obviously, Kirby's not coming back, but Jeremy is tantalizing because he's available. And um, as far as he's not employed, uh, I think he's the one. And I don't know if anybody's really going to be happy if it's not Jeremy Pruitt. But again, we you know we've discussed this and we'll keep saying it. But there's so many unknowns with Jeremy Pruitt as far as as what. The, the Alabama's looking at, but I trust Nick Saban knows how to, how to filter through all that kind of stuff and, um, you know, ask the right people the right questions. I certainly know he'd be a good coach at Alabama. After that, you know, you know, I, I hear the names, but I don't really buy the Glenn Schumann just yet. Um, and that could change down the road. I don't really hear. I mean, I think they'll take a look and, you know, not trying to scare anybody, but I think they'll kick the tires on guys they know, like a, a Todd Grantham or somebody like that. I think they'll at least interview and kind of test the waters on guys like that. But other than that, there hasn't been a lot of name. I haven't connected anything with Jimmy Lake. You know, I knew Kevin Steele and Charlie Strong have not been contacted. Um, there's other guys we've eliminated from the list. But, you know, you go back to the last guy he hired, Pete Golding. I don't know of anybody that saw this coming. You know what I mean? I don't know anybody that saw Pete Golding coming. So it could come from left field. It could be some kind of combination, um, you know, of you know, of, of trying to. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is a tough one. It's always a tough one. This one's tougher than most because Jeremy Pruitt's out there and available. It's a lot of the attention's focused on that. Um, and yeah, I, and go ahead. I think that it's it's interesting with Golding because even he came in as sort of a co DC. Because that was Tosh's year. Right. That's yes, yes. And so I kind of view Austin Armstrong as more of a Pete Golding hire in, in going back to the 2018 cycle um, than than maybe uh, anyone else. So, yeah, uh, Pruitt is the guy that makes the most sense, if not for the situation at Tennessee that is still out there. Uh, that would be pretty easy. But if it weren't for that situation um, – you know, it could be that uh, Jeremy would already be in a spot that that would be uh, very good. Now, I, I think this about Jeremy. I think if Jeremy uh, were a defensive coordinator somewhere else in the SEC and the opportunity at Alabama came open again, I, I, I still think he would probably make that move. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's an Alabama guy. He's not shy about it. You know, you get, no. a, you get people that go to these, you know, and I'm, you know, media or whoever, and they – they want to, you know, they want to be impartial. Jeremy's not impartial. He, he's an Alabama guy. He's not, he's not scared to say it at all. I think the defensive coordinator position. I will say, here's what I can tell you for sure. I know Nick Saban has spent the week and the weekend, and this again, it just happened Friday, calling people, asking questions, gathering intel, 
um, kind of narrowing down his list uh, of, 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 I think it's almost as much eliminating people from possibility as finding candidates. I mean, kind of, kind of whittling it down. Also, I think there's probably been a lot of research going on on the Jeremy Pruitt situation. So I think you have a lot of, you kind of have a, you know, you kind of have a, you know, and again, you mentioned it perfectly on the message board with the multitask. And this is a guy that's going to go in a, in a school, talk to a kid, walk out to the car, get in the car. Someone's driving. He's going to make two calls, go into school, see a kid. So he's definitely doing his due diligence. I don't think he's in a rush though. I think there's also going to be, NFL guys, you know, you're going to, have to see people, you're going to see NFL staffs fired here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a lot of coaching shakeup happen after the national signing day period. That's one thing to consider if hypothetically, if you're talking to a guy coaching at another school and he says, I'm not going to talk to you until I finish this season, I'm honoring my contract. Then I think when the, if that happens, I mean, you got to kind of save kind of did that with the dolphins, right? So these guys, I mean, you've got, what is it, two weeks? I mean, it's two weeks from today, and then it's over, two weeks from yesterday, and then this is over. you got 13 days. I mean, there's no need to rush because it's best to get it right than to rush. There's no rush. They don't. They finished the 23 class for the most part. They don't need to rush and get a guy there to see visits. I mean, 20, was it 24 signed early? 24 signed early, and then the, the Maryland trade. Right. 25 or 29 or something like that signed early. So you don't, and they're all signed. So you don't really have a lot of recruiting left to do. So he doesn't have to be there to help host visitors or anything. I think the NFL part of this is big, maybe bigger than anyone realizes in terms of waiting for that to sort of play out at that level, not just even from the perspective of maybe an offensive coordinator, but maybe even a defensive coordinator, as you alluded to, there's still some things that can shake out dominoes in the NFL because we're still playing and you still got eight teams playing in the NFL right now. So uh, you you got three more rounds to complete and uh, how that impacts the, the, the the domino effect of of coaches at that level. And I think we said it both earlier. It's not that I think there are a lot of NFL coaches dying to drop down to college football right now, but if you're a position coach and there's the potential for you to go to a coordinator level or back to a coordinator level, um, there's probably some attractiveness to that. That's, yeah, uh, there's a lot. There's still a lot of variables at play. You know what I mean? I think there's a lot. I don't. Again, I don't think it's a rush. And I get the impatience. I, you know, we get the questions asked constantly. And you know, I talk to a lot of people that ask the questions. I get the impatience, but I really think you want to get. You just want to get this right. I think that's what you yeah. want to do. And I think it's a. Again, I think defense is harder for Nick Saban because he's so involved with it. and He's so close to him. So I think he's going to do his due diligence. Jam Bama in the roundtable mailbag asks, what has impressed you most about this Alabama basketball team, Tim? You know, I'd like, you know, they, they, they're resilience. They're, they, they are blue collar. They are, they're a blue collar team. You know, I say that all the time. It's not just a hashtag, is it? No, I mean, that's, you know, people, you know, kid around about a certain kind of player. He's a, you know, he's a blue-collar guy, bring his lunch pail. But, man, good players and good teams have lunch pail. That's what I say about Minka. Minka's got to eat. He brings a lunch pail every damn day. He's just really talented. So these guys are talented. They're deep. And, again, I, you know, I said this earlier in the show, they're diving on the floor up 40. I have yet to see them look discouraged. Now, they, there could have been moments I missed 
But last year, I felt I saw a lot of shoulders dropped, head down moments. You know what I mean? I felt like there there, uh, there was moments of frustration visible. I don't really see it with this team. I mean, even Brandon Miller, we've seen him basically not score in a half or can't make it. You know, you can't you know can't can't drop a three pointer in. And I've yet to see him discouraged or his head down. You know what I mean? All those guys have went through trials and tribulations as young guys do. So their effort to me is 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 five, every one of them's five star effort out there. The effort alone. Um, you know, Nados and his staff had them all given a ton of effort. You can tell they believe in each other. Yeah, I, I would agree in that there's a maturity about this team, which you kind of expected from the returning players and a guy like Mark Sears coming in via the transfer portal, who is very much a seasoned player prior to making his way to Tuscaloosa. But man, even these freshmen, the maturity, which, which, with which they perform on the court. And I'll say this to sort of echo what you uh, stated earlier about effort. The effort's not contingent on something else, right? It's not contingent on, well, if I get my 24 or 26, then I'll really bring it on the defensive end. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it seems to be uh, pretty much consistent, on a night in and night out basis. And look, a lot of that goes back to the practice floor, man. When you truly have the benefit of the bench, which I don't think Nate had last year, like Nate could talk about getting guys out if they weren't giving effort, but you know this, and we've talked about it before guys know, like guys know when you really can go to the bench or you can't, especially if they're top guys. Well, this year he can say it, and it's and, and mean it with what he's got coming off this bench. Savion Smith knew. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, mean, I always go back to Savion. He knew. He's like, Coach, come on now. Savion, <laughs> <laughs> pick it up from benching him. Boy, get real. You know, <laughs> you're right, though. And that, that you're definitely right. Because when you've got depth, you got somebody barking at your heels and you got to work hard. Yeah. You're going to get your ass on the floor and, and go get the 50 50 balls. And you're going to take a charge. You're going to do the things that, you know, Guys like Herb Jones did night in and night out during their time uh, at the Capstone. Jam Bama also, uh, we talked about Austin Armstrong earlier, and he wants your ideal defensive staff and a top choice for an offensive coordinator. That's all Jam wants for this oh. this final uh, this final question, Tim. You know, it's to me, I'm old school. I would go, I'm old school in recruiting, so I'm probably going to make a lot of BOL posters really happy. I would go Bo Davis on defensive line, Freddie Roach, the outside linebacker, Jeremy mm-hmm. Pruitt would be defense coordinator and be the inside linebacker, and then I'd get into the secondary with young guys. You got our, you know, you got uh, Austin Armstrong. I mean, um, we heard nothing but good things about him. We've got um, um, T Rob at corners. Yeah, you got T Rob and them, or you bring in a, you know, you bring in a guy like a Carl Scott. You know, yeah. Ansley, those guys are doing pretty well in the National Football League, and they were really good recruiters. You know, Carl Scott, mm-hmm. he was one of those, you know, one of those guys that was really perfect for college football. He related to the kids. He could be a hard ass. You know, he's, you know, he's a, you know, he's a, he's a country guy from Texas. Doesn't put up with any crap, but he related to the kids. He's got that young vibe about him. You can find a lot of those guys. There's former players that want to coach. So to me, it would start up front. I mean, you know, I'm a Bo fan. I think Freddie Roach is a great recruiter. Uh, and obviously, I think Pruitt's the best defensive coordinator in the nation right now. 
Yeah, it's hard to argue with that uh, that staff. Uh, Bama man for JC. Do you ever foresee Bama football playing a regular season game during the week? I know we played Georgia State in 2010 on a Thursday night in the Iron Bowl a few years ago on Friday. Just curious if you think uh, we will see another regular season weeknight game. I, I think there, I mean, as long as there's television involved. There's always the possibility. Um, I think more so than probably any team in the country, uh, Alabama is a is a Saturday brand, man. When you think Saturday in the fall, especially right now, you think Alabama football. So I would see them being predominantly a Saturday team, Tim. But you know, maybe one of these early season games, uh, a season opener, you know, with that with that one weekend where you kick it all off. Uh, maybe you play on a, a Thursday or even a Sunday or a Monday for that matter. That that's probably the scenario I would envision that being most likely to happen for Alabama in the future. I would agree. Yeah. I think, you know, it's Saturday in Alabama football right now, similar to Ohio state and, uh, Georgia and the other programs that are out there. Bama been for one true freshman on offense and one on defense that has the biggest impact next year. I feel like we talked about this yeah. on the last pod, didn't we? Yeah, we do. But I'll tell you, I mean, I think that's like the low hanging fruit to me. Um, in case said true freshman, the low hanging fruit to me on defense is Caleb Downs, right? Yeah. That's Our, a position of need. He's a hell of a picks it up player. Just, yeah. This class is so loaded that me mixing it up is going to give you Quay Russaw as my sleeper. I, I know. Think, I think Quay's going to be a monster. I think Quay is going to be able to come from the edge, but I think inside linebacker, I think there's an opening for him to play there if he picks up the defense. I think he's just got that kind of gear. He's sort of got that, you know, Curse Perry's got that engine. He's got that motor, room, room constantly. And then the physicalness of Russaw, I think, is going to give him a chance to play early. And I think certainly there's a dozen others that you could throw out there that could to play early. But Russo has that chance on that inside backer and a guy that can get pressure to kind of be that souped up Henry Toa Toa physically. So I'll go, I'll go with, I'll go with him on the defense. Yeah, man. And having edge guys like Keeley and Pierre in this class, that gives you a lot of flexibility with Russo, right? If you if you want to start him inside, um, you got the guys that you can do that with because not only Keeley and uh, Yonsei Pierre coming in, but you're bringing back Chris Braswell, you're bringing back Dallas Turner. So your numbers on the edge and your quality on the edge uh, looks pretty good right now. And uh, Roussel is going to be a, a fascinating guy, no doubt about that. Juice 343 in the roundtable mailbag. Can you see Jamarian Miller and Justice Haynes taking over the number two spell running back role next season? I guess the implication being that Jace McClellan will be the lead back. I, I think there's going to be damn good competition for carries um, one through three there, uh, Tim. I don't know about you. And also Roydell Williams back in that in that spot. I don't, I don't think that, you know, that anyone's locked into that number one spot right now. I don't think Jace yeah. locked in. I do think Jace is going to get the uh, first opportunity, but that Miller kid, man, there's something about him when he's done that. I like him. 
there's something about that kid toting the mail. I mean, even my daughter was like, who is he when he had that big run um, at the end of the season? She's like, which one's he? And I was like, shoot, my daughter's noticing. All right, we got to get, we got to get somebody, got to get somebody else to notice. So I think that he's going to be in there. You know how I am. I'm a, I'm a recruiting guy. So I go to freshmen. I don't think you're going to be able to keep Justice Haynes off the field. Um, mm-hmm. What degree I do look forward to this battle because I think it's a very talented group. Like you said, Roy Dell Williams has has that get up and go um, about him. And you know the thing we're going to have to figure out with a lot of these guys, who's going to protect the quarterback? Because that you know, like a wide receiver, if you can't block, you have trouble getting on the field for Alabama. Running back, you got to be that sixth offensive lineman and, and been pass pro. So which one of these guys? I mean, Justice isn't the biggest guy. Richard Young's coming in. They're not the biggest guy. But you know what? It doesn't take, you know, you know, in basketball, they say rebounding's effort. Well, blocking's effort. You just got to be brave enough to stand in front of that bandit and flip him over. And, you know, you know, Justice Haynes is built. You know, he's built like a bodybuilder. So him and Richard are both some powerful guys. So whichever one of those guys are going to pick him up and protect him, especially because you're going to have a young, inexperienced quarterback regardless of who wins that starting job. So I wouldn't write off any of those first carries, but I think both Miller and Haynes are going to push for playing times. I do too. I agree. And I, you said it with pass protection. Um, you got to be willing to stick your face in the proverbial fan. And some of these guys too, you got to remember, have the benefit of coming from high school offenses that translate to a place like Alabama or a pro or more pro style offense than some other guys. I know high school football is sort of followed the lead of college football in a lot of ways from an offensive perspective, but in terms of what guys are asked to do in high school, you know, it's like Derrick Henry coming from Uly high school to Alabama. He was never asked to catch the football out of the backfield or pass protect or things like that. So uh, even for him, it was an adjustment to be made. Juice three, four, three also, Asking, do you think Bama's lack of dominance in the trenches of late is more of a strength and conditioning issue? Are guys not developing to the level they were forecasted to reach? Um, I think it was probably some missed evaluations um, that factored in to this. And again, a lot of this, a lot of this team, and it's 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 across the nation. It's not just Alabama. A lot of these were COVID offers, guys that didn't even play. You know, a normal regular season, a guy that didn't have regular postseason, you know, you know, preseason, a lot of the workouts were shut down. I think that factors in to that. And I think some missed evaluations. I know this. I know that 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 Wolf Wolford, the offensive line coach, came in and said, I want a different kind of body. And he's brought in some big, thick monster bodies versus guys that we saw earlier. Now it's just about about developing them. And um, I think it's a combination of evaluations. I don't really, now I don't really hear anything. You know, maybe I don't. The strength and conditioning complaint happens everywhere when a team loses in the trenches. But also, I mean, you, you know, you, there's a reason that nobody recruits out of the, you know, the, the the Mr. Olympia contest. You know, they don't go recruit offensive linemen out there. You got to have some technique. You got to know how to use your hands. You got to know how to use your foot footwork. You got to know how to pick up a bandit. You got to know the offense. So I think it's all of the above. And I would expect an improved offensive line next year because you've got, you know, you've had Wolford working with them and getting what he wants out of them. He's got some young guys coming in to develop and grow with them. And he got his guys on campus. Yeah. And as we talked about earlier, um, 
it's been a quarterback centric offense for a while now, right? I mean, when you go through a stretch of Jalen Hurts, Tuatanga Vailoa, and and uh, and Bryce Young, you know, it's going to be more about the quarterback position, and you know, we we all enjoy the the excitement and the explosive plays, uh, but sometimes it comes at the expense of you know something else, and that's not to say Najee Harris wasn't tremendous, but he was he was as tremendous as a receiver as he was as a runner. So, um, you know, there's some different things that come into play in terms of uh, the preference of style of offense that you run. Um, to be sure, Alabama, the last four or five seasons, three or four for sure, hasn't been, let's say, 2008 or 2011 Alabama. Uh, it's been an entirely different offense altogether. Ghost of Bryant gets us out of here with the Bama online roundtable mailbag with a really simple one. And it, I don't know, maybe it is simple to you, uh, Tim. I, it's getting simpler to me. I think with each passing game is Brandon Miller, the best basketball player to ever play for Alabama. Wow. You ready to go there? And I like this kid, you know, I like watching him play, but I want to I argue, I want to argue against it. But then I think about this dude, six, nine plays on the ball, shoots over 45% from three, Tim, you know, think, and can go th- and can get 30. It feels like a lot of times on just about anybody. I think it's pretty safe to say he's probably the most talented to come through. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more hard. so than McDice and some of those guys. McDice was a freak. Yeah. I mean, you know, Athlete. I think, you know yeah. the guys I like to watch at Bam, I, you know what I think I love Mo Williams. You know, I love what he did at our base just from his career. Alabama. I loved Robert Ory. He was another one that I, I enjoyed. James Robinson. This, I mean, this guy's more talented than, you know, all those guys. You know, Derek McKee, Leon, you know, Herb Jones were guys I really liked and enjoyed watching. Um, and by all accounts, he's a damn good teammate, right? And, they love and, him. They love and, him. They just, it feels like at times they have to, to like push him to be more selfish. It than, feels premature to say he's number one since it's the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. But I can't argue again. You know what he feels like with Brandon? You remember McDice's NCAA run? Yeah. Wore out big country, went out, had those two games. That's what it feels like every game watching Brandon Miller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and, he, and, he, and he'll do it on the ball. Like too. he's just coming of age because the dude can not score in the first half and you not even realize what a great game he had. Or, I mean, at the end of the game, you don't even realize he didn't score in the first half. He only gets up 13, 14 shots a game. This isn't a guy that's getting it up 20 to 25 times a game. He is, there's a lot of jokes right there you left the whole crowd open for. But, uh, <laughs> he is getting it up 13 or 14 times. So they uh, – uh, From the field. They, yeah. uh, I'm just thinking our, 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 uh, our audience. You know, I, I look, I can't do anything to help those people you can, right, at not, this point. We, They're, yeah. we tried to salvage a lot of these people. Yes. Our, ther- our therapy is – They're going to go there. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean that's the thing about him is I don't want to prematurely say he is, but he he probably he is. I mean, he's the most. I don't know if he's the. Oh, my first instinct is go. Oh, hold on now, wait a damn minute, guys. He's the yeah. He's the most talented because I love McDice, but this guy's almost McDice size with point shot. Yeah, I mean, and and I and I mean, he can handle it. That body's not the finished product of what he's like physically either. You know, no. he's probably the guy eating three Big Macs a day, can't gain a, an ounce, and I look at one and gain a pound. So, I mean, he's still in that perfect range. So, uh, great question. And, uh, I love it. 
I can't argue against it by any means. I mean, and, and I want to because I'm an old head. I enjoy this. I enjoy watching him and this team. And, you know, I said that like the third game of the year. I said, enjoy this joker while you can. Oh, because, yeah. You know, we're going to look back and say, man, what, you know, what an amazing thing to to witness. But, yeah, heck yeah. And also, you know, props to this. This It's going to be interesting. They, You know, the signing class for the basketball team, they've got basically a pretty low-key class. You know, not a lot of five. There's no five stars, not a lot of highly ranked guys. I'm not sure anybody's in the top 100, but that's almost the role players you got to have. The two, not role players, but the program guys, two, three years they got to give you. But there's got to be a ton of interest in the portal when they're looking at this team, possibly two lottery picks on this basketball team. I mean, there, there's, there's, this program's got a chance to really take off and fill some gaps next year. So pretty exciting time. I can't remember one like it. No, no doubt about that. Well, we appreciate everybody who contributed to the roundtable mailbag. Uh, always a lot of fun there with us at BamaOnline.com. And Tim, that's going to do it for another edition of T-Watts and TR. Anything else before we get out of here? Not at all. It was a good one. We'll see you guys on the roundtable. Hopefully we'll have some questions, answers for your questions soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're going to want to hang out with us. We want to answer Nick Saban (laughs) text to move it, mister. (laughs) We text and move it, mister, all the time. Yeah. No, he doesn't. But uh, whenever the coaching news does break, you're going to find it right there with us at BamaOnline.com, the roundtable for our premium message board there at BOL. You definitely want to hang out with us right there on the roundtable. And for Tim Watts, Travis Ryers, thanking you once again for joining us right here on the Bama Online Podcast. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, we certainly hope you'll do so. Wherever you consume podcasts, you're going to find the Bama Online Podcast. And if you leave us a rating and a review while you're there, we would greatly appreciate that as well. For Tim, Travis, thanks again. Until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.